Uh, good to see you this morning. How are you? You guys good? Good? It's an exciting, it's an exciting week because it's the week after Easter. It's like a great week in church. It should have, we should have like a, a freshness and a newness. It's like the weather's awesome and we got through Easter. You probably have your seat back. If there was somebody new sitting in your seat, you're like, get out of my way. Um, so you're here, you're in church. I'm glad you're here. I was a little, I was a little nervous Coming because uh, I, I had the, the luxury of being on staff like uh, over a decade ago, maybe 13 or so years ago. I used to do all the videos and worship tracks and stuff like that. My office was like shoved up somewhere behind that screen back there. So this place is way better, way better now. I was like, you have cushions in your seats where we used to have pews, right? Serious upgrade, serious upgrade. The next is like seat warmers, right? Foam latte. Um, so uh, I was doing some homework on you guys, though, because, you know, that's like your responsibility as a communicator is to do homework on the church you're coming to. And then I, real, I was like, oh, there's a big jacuzzi right here. This is awesome. Your church is super cool. And I'm so afraid of falling into it. So I just, if I'm that guy who just goes, then we'll just make the best out of it. Okay, so um, you guys had Luis Palau last week. Were you guys here for Luis? Luis, Luis was really good. I, uh, I, I like Luis Palau a lot. I like his name. I like the word Luis. I like that. That's like very, mm, yes. Uh, Luis, I like that. So my name is kind of like that. My name is Mingo. It's not like quite Luis, but it's close. So um, I have a picture of Luis, and you, he could be my dad. You guys feel that? You feel a little like... If you were here, I don't know what sermon he said it. I was listening to the recording online, and then he was talking about, like, their pastors today, they wear jeans too tight, they don't shave, and I was like, oh, my. <laughs> Identity crisis struck so quickly. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here because uh, it's good to be in church. It's good to be connected to the body. It's good to be in pursuit of a common, uh, a common goal. And that's what I love about the body. It's, it's one mission, and it's one family, and it's one message. It's just different expressions of the body. So I love that following a guy like Luis in the ministry that the Lord has allowed him to have, like I could come in and just get to share in this journey that the Lord has us collectively on. Uh, this is a picture of my wife and I on our nine-year anniversary recently. See how much more clean-shaven I am? Boom. There you go. Uh, and then this is uh, my, uh, my son, Bravery, in the middle. He's four. He probably shouldn't be holding that bowling ball, um, but he is. We're not a bowling family, but we're pretty enthusiastic. So uh, the next picture is one of my favorite ones. Uh, this is... <laughs> This is us going down the um, Splash, Splash Mountain, the log ride at Disneyland. And what makes this photo amazing is that my son is absolutely not qualified whatsoever to be on this ride. He's too short, actually, to be on this ride. And uh, just leave it there for a second. I'll tell you how I smuggled my child onto this ride. Um, you know the the... You walk up to the lines at Disneyland, and they have, like, this arrow with, like, the inches on it, right? And it's metal, and I walked Bravery up to the front, and he, like, he missed it by a mile. So I said, you know, oh, man, buddy, and he's like, <laughs> he didn't even know what this ride was about. It was me that wanted to, I was like, oh, we're going to do this. This is going to be awesome, right? So uh, 
Fallon, my wife, went to the bathroom. I took Bravery to the bathroom. I was like, Bravery, come, we're going to the bathroom. He's like, I don't have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to go to the bathroom right now. So go to the bathroom. I hit the, like, dispen- paper towel dispenser. <laughs> right? Tear it off. Wad up the monstrous bundle of paper towels, and I shove them into the heels of his shoes. I did that. We walk out of the bathroom. He's like... <laughs> holding my hand. He's like, dad, my back hurts. I'm like, shut up. Uh, So (laughs) I get him to the line. The same person that checked his height like 10 minutes before is like, kink, kink. Oh, your son's tall enough all of a sudden. I was like, just bravery. Move along, move along, move along. (laughs) So we get on the ride. It seriously was like my joy, my everything in me was like, ah, fatherhood. I love this. So we're going, have you ever been on the ride? It's like, yay, like rabbits, they're singing animatronics, kind of scary. But then my son has no clue that like this is at the end of the ride. And so we start like, yay, oh, they're, uh, you know, they're singing honey, flowers, it's awesome. And then it's like, kick, 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 start going up. And he's like, dad, and I don't, I, for some reason, I, I, I mean, I don't just go to Disneyland and go on these rides. So when I was a kid, I remember there not being these like, partitions in the middle of the lot. I thought you could like nestle. I mean, I, I was like with my girlfriend back in the day, like, yeah, girl. Yeah. So like now, like, I don't know what happened, but there's like seats now with a very generous gap between the person that you're in front of. So when we got on the ride, all of a sudden my kid was like, <laughs> he was like way ahead of me. So I was like, oh dear. Uh, and there's no like, there's no seatbelt on that ride. So when we start his face pretty much says it all. So uh, <laughs> that looks like fear, but it's pure joy. Okay, I just want you to know that. It's pure joy for my son. Uh, and I don't know the brown kid in front of him. The white one behind him is mine. So like uh, that, that is, and you can tell how proud I am. I mean, I got like full selfie dad arm going on right there. I'm like live streaming to the world, right? My mom is watching and she's like, oh, my son's gonna fall out. She's not talking about me. She's talking about her grandson. Do you have moms like that? I have a mom like that. Um, but this is, this surprised me because this is actually, this is so perfect for our sermon this morning. Like our, our conversation this morning, I think that we literally sit in one of two seats. Really, We sit either in the front seat of that ride, like my son, wigging out. It's all like happy song, melody, harmony, and then you're falling off a cliff, Right? Or you're sitting in the back seat like me, super proud, excited. You know what's coming ahead, and you can't wait for who you brought on the ride to experience what you know and love. That's the walk that we have with Jesus. That is literally what our Christian walk, summed up in one photo, should be like. I mean, minus the fact that you smuggle your child on. Other than that, it's totally relevant, in my opinion. So... As I was getting ready for a week following Easter, the idea that we could begin a conversation about what it looks like to, to follow Jesus and to have a life in pursuit of him. If you, came, if you came to Easter and Luis Palau was the first time you'd ever stepped foot into a church, you might have felt like my son looked, right? You, you got in and you got on and all of a sudden you're like, what, what is happening right now, Right? 
and you get an invitation to receive Jesus, and maybe you said the prayer. Actually, I know you said the prayer because he was like, everybody say this prayer. I was like, I'm saved. And he was like, say it anyway. So you're like, I'm again. So if you are in this church, if you're a family that's been here for decades and decades and decades, you, you sit in the back seat. You, you're watching others come to the fold, come to the family. You should be as excited as I was to take my kid down that ride for the first time. And for some reason, I think that we get this weird normalcy. We get a, we get a, a, a system and a routine, and it gets real easy. I'll, I'll be celebrating my 20th year as a, as a believer in May. So in May, it would be 20 years since I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm, I'm viciously attacking the... L- the lethargicness that I feel coming when it, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. I just, I can get caught up in systematic churching and I'm trying so hard to fight that as, as a father, as a husband, as a leader to my peers, to my friends. I don't want to be somebody who just hits the routine. And so I, I just thought it'd be awesome if we, if we got into a basic You've probably read this a million times, but if we could see it in a new light, in a way that maybe the Lord would shake us up, it, it might give us some new context for how we see each other, what it feels like to be a part of this church, actively engaged in seeing people come to know Jesus. So we're going to go to the book of Mark. Uh, we're, we're in the book of Mark because this last year I had a pastor who in San Diego, I've been, I've been working at The Rock for like a decade. I've been there for 10 years as a pastor. And this last year, a mentor entered into my life by way of an older executive pastor. And I loved his approach to me. He said, Mingo, you, you do a great job with all the ministry you're responsible for. I want to see you be a better pastor. I want to see you be a better leader. And I was like this close to being offended by that statement because I was like, what? And then... He said, I just, what I've experienced in the Lord, I want you to experience because I see something. I see a trajectory for your life and I want to, I want to invest in it, right? If you ever, like you ever made investments that like have epic returns, he was doing that in my life. He was making an investment in my life. And we literally went through the book of Mark verse by verse by verse. And I feel like it re, it reopened my eyes to scripture. And so I'm going to read something. You tell me if you've ever heard it before. It starts in verse 14. It says, now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You ever heard that before? Anybody? Yes, I have heard this before. I'm certain that if you have a seat in this church, you've probably heard that before. I see like certain like reserved like tabs on some of them. I'm like, whoa, that family tithes. That's awesome. Uh, you have like your box seating in this church. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I was pointing in that general direction, but to no particular person. Okay. Disclaimer. Okay. So here's the deal. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. I love this. The gospel means what? Good news, right? The gospel means good news. And I love that it's not Jesus's gospel. It's God's, it's the gospel of God. It's his father's good news. And the idea is that Jesus is always deferring to the will and the directives, the master plan of his father. So 
Jesus is here declaring the gospel, the good news that his father has, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The time here, that word time in Greek, it's got two potential meanings. I don't know Greek, but I know Google, and Google knows Greek. So uh, when you look it up, it tells you there's two, two ways that you can interpret it. Uh, chronos is like the word we get for like the time you keep on your watch. It's chronological order of things. But the application here is not this is a systematic way of things unfolding, like the next plots in the storyline. It's kairos. The word kairos, it means a divine opportunity. Jesus is saying, listen, my father's plan is in motion, and today there is a divine opportunity. It's a moment set in play by my father who is divine. This is a a potentially sacred moment for you because the kingdom of God, basically the economy, the way it ought to be, the life by which God intended, and that intention is really for God to reconcile all things back to himself, all of his creation, you, me, your brother-in-law, your in-laws that you don't like, he wants them all back, right? He wants them all back to himself. That's the intended purpose of God. That is his kingdom in action, that they would all be reconciled back to him. It's like my, my family has a family reunion every single Easter. We have like 200 P-famers getting together on a ranch down in Baja. They come from as far south as La Paz and as far north as Fresno. The people from Fresno, they, they got it bad because they got to go across the border and wait in the border like eight hours to come back home. But when you get together, it is like a riot. It is too, um, just imagine camping on a campsite with 200 people. You're like, uh, babe, this is very crowded. I thought it was not gonna be this crowded. Like that, for us, it's like 200 tents loaded, carne asada from the floor up, right? It's like, it is an amazing gathering, and you see aunts and uncles, you don't even know who these people are, and you're just kissing all your theos on the like, neck, right? And they're like kissing you, and there's dirt, and it's like uncomfortable, and it's loud, and there's music, and there's like your drunk uncle that everybody has in their family, but you just deal with them because it's a reunion, and it matters that we get together as a family. That's what this body is supposed to be like. It matters that we get together as a family, and it's God's intended purpose that he would reconcile all of us back together. And Jesus says it's at hand. It's there for the taking. It's, it's here and it's now. But what does it look like and what does it mean? He says repent and believe in the gospel. That word repent, its definition is so critical. It says a constant moment by moment turning towards God. And if you've been in church or a believer for any period of time, you probably had a moment of repentance when you said, God, my life is not in the order that I think it should be in. And you, you repented and you gave your life to Jesus. But th- the definition here is, is more engaging. It's constant and it's moment by moment orienting yourself towards the way of God. And I love that acted out, put into motion, the next chunks of verses, it shows us what that looks like. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. You ever heard that one before? 
I dug into this. My relationship with my mentor, he said, I want you to see, I want you to see this differently. See, there's three basic constitutes to following Jesus. And I know that here and now we don't have the person of Jesus, but we have his spirit. I love that Luis Palau said that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus that we have. It is constantly pointing to Jesus. And we have all of Jesus' character summed up in the Gospels here. So you can know him by, by following him and studying him and reading about him in here. You have like a favorite series that you watch on Netflix or on Hulu. You get to know those characters because you watch episode after episode after episode. That is like what you get when you follow Jesus through the Gospels. You start to fall in love with the guy who's rooting for every person found on the margins that ever crossed his path. And, and yet we have these, these weird barriers because if you're like me, you've sat in church for 20 years and you've heard the sermon from guys like me, and you wonder, like, man, am I really, am I, am I living to the fullest capacity that God really intended for me to have? Kingdom of God being at hand, am I grasping for that? And I just think three basic observations out of this, if you're taking notes, you could take this note. Jesus, he tells these guys, listen, Follow me, I'll make you become fishers of men. I think it can be broken down three ways. The first one is follow me. What does that mean? Well, in the most basic of definitions, it means stop going the direction that you're going and start going the direction I'm going. Now, I know this because I have a four-year-old. So when Bravery's like, this looks awesome, this pool is amazing, I have to be like, stop, right? Because he doesn't know how to swim yet. He will go diving into this not knowing that he can't swim. I mean, he, he knows eventually because he's at the bottom. But, like, he will he'll dive in. Dad will dive in after him and scoop him up. And, like, he'll be like, that was awesome. And I'll be like, no, you almost died. And he's like, that was awesome. So that's, that's the naivety of a kid who doesn't know the direction or the way things ought to go. So much of us in our own lives, we just go running towards things not knowing what implications they have, Right? And I, I watch my son go running down our street and I have to tell him, whoa, like stop, like follow me, buddy. We're gonna take a different course, not walking across four lanes of whatever street this is right here, right? We're gonna go to the crosswalk. Right? He's like, cross what? He doesn't even know. Follow me is really basic. See where I'm going? Stick with me. See what I'm about? This is what our family's about. See how I talk to mommy? This is how we talk to mommy. See what I did when I didn't get my way? This is how we act when we don't get our way. It's, it is literally the development of a small human into a Jesus-loving human. N nothing like blew me away more than I was driving with my wife in the passenger side and she was talking about how, I don't know, she had like a hangnail and she was like, ah, oh, she's looking for tweezers or something in the like, center console of our car and bravery in the back of his car. So he goes, mom, I'll pray for it, right? And I was just like, oh. I didn't even offer to pray for your hangnail, right? Like I was like thinking about me. <laughs> He's more righteous, right? So to raise 
a little kid, it just, you start seeing things for the basic building blocks that they are. And what's so frustrating is that we make the gospel more complicated than it ought. Jesus says, listen, I just need you to follow me. That means you're, you, have a, you have a direction and a trajectory that you're going. And the reality is, if you want your life to be consumed by me and, and developed and patterned after me, you're going to have to follow me. Let's not make it more complicated than it is. You have a direction it needs to stop, and you need to reorient and start following me. And the only way that you're going to know how to follow Jesus is by knowing him in here. See, you can know my son very personally. There are people in this room who know my son personally, right? They know how crazy he is. They know that, like, every morning he comes running into my bedroom, and even if it's, like, I can keep him up as late as I can try to keep him up before my wife is like, this is abuse, and no matter what, he will be up at 6.05 in the morning. Like, guaranteed, my brother, five years younger than me, does not have kids yet, bought him a massively oversized Nerf gun that shoots, like, 58 Nerf, like, arrow bullets. They hurt like garbage when it's, like, shot at you from this close in your sleep. But he will, he will get up on my bed and be like, ha-ha, good morning, kink, 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 like, just unloading on me. And for... For me, I think that's awesome. My wife doesn't think that's super awesome, but I'm like, hey, buddy, we don't shoot mommy that way. You can shoot daddy. Um, But if you know my son, you just know how awesome that is. Now, you could know that story about my son, but to know him is the ultimate joy. You can follow him on Instagram, or (laughs) it's weird he's on Instagram. He has a hashtag. Go find his hashtag, BraveryP. He's awesome. But if you just know Jesus by way of transference, guys like me talking about him, maybe somebody in your family loves him, you'll never really experience the true joy of actually knowing him the way that, for instance, I know my son. You wouldn't know that like, well, until I showed you a picture that I'm the kind of dad that'll shove toilet paper in his heels so he can go ride big rides, right? Step off, that's me, right? That's That's my love and joy as a father. And you love that he gets to experience the fullness of that. The second part of follow me is probably the most critical part of this like chunk of verses. I'll make you become fishes of men. You, you read it and you glaze over it so fast, but the reality is it's, it's an ownership investment statement. Jesus is saying, I will make you become. Have you ever seen it that basic? I will make you become. And I think it's weird because I felt like I grew up in a church that always made me qualify to be a part of something, right? Like, your family needs to be into a certain order if you're going to, like, start being here and being a regular volunteer, right? You, we want to make sure that things are all in order if you're going to be a part of this, like, community. Jesus, when he talks about people following him and belonging to his body, I love the way that, uh, that Saddleback, one of the, the guys on staff there, he said, We want people who are all in and not necessarily all there yet. Does that make sense? We want people to be all in and not necessarily all there because you could never expect people to be all there before they're all in. You have to say, I'm ready. And when I'm ready, now I'm ready to figure out what that means. It seems backwards, but that's the way that the economy of God works. That you, you give yourself to it going, I trust you. That's bravery 24-7. Dad, where are we going? We're going camping. Where? I don't know. Even if I told him, we're going to go to Carlsbad. He doesn't know who Carlsbad is. 
but he's got his Ninja Turtles backpack and about 8,000 toys shoved into it because he trusts that dad's going to take him on an awesome, on an awesome adventure. That's the basicness of what a life with Jesus is about, is follow me. His, his beckon is to come. Trust me. And the problem is that we have complicated it so much, and we, we have all these caveats, and we think, well, if I do, then what's going to happen? Or what are my family or my friends? Do I have to lose this? Or do I have to change these things? And the reality is, deal with that when it gets there. Are you hopeless? Follow Jesus. Do you want to become somebody that you know currently who you are? You're not. Do you want to be a better father? Do you want to be a better husband? Do you want to be a better mother? Do you want to be a better, a better engaged person in your family? Jesus says, follow me. I will help you become those things. I love it. He just says, follow me. I'll make you become. It's his promise to develop you. It's his promise to nurture you. It's his promise to make you the believer and the faith warrior that you are all destined and and able to be you want to be more bold in your workplace jesus can make you that way you want to be somebody who stands and and delivers on behalf of the the weak and marginalized jesus can make you that way but first you have to commit to just saying i'm in and i love that i have a four-year-old son that reminds me every day that it's as basic as just following what my dad says, and then I get to experience the fullness of what my heavenly father has for me. Does that make sense? I love the, the, the final statement in this. It's divided into three parts. It's follow me, I will make you become, and the last part, fishers of men. Right? And I never got fishers of men. I, I live in San Diego. I'm close to like the sea economy right? You guys are in Fullerton. There's like no ocean. Uh, I'm guessing that there's nobody here who's like a full-time employed fisherman. Anybody? Anybody in here? Raise your hand if you were like, I get paid. I pay the bills by fish. Anybody? Didn't think so. So here's the deal. <laughs> I, I didn't expect it. It's not a knock on you. Uh, for a fisherman to make a life fishing, they are not like five sweet little like freshwater rods in a tackle box, hat, time with their best friend Tom, and they're like, bzzz, doop. Yeah, Tom, this is so great. Oh, whoop, whoop. Oh, fish. Wow, that was crazy. That's not the life of a fisherman. The life of a fisherman is before the sun comes up, preparing the nets, taking nets down to the shoreline, getting them into the boat or getting them into shallow waters, heaving nets so they spread. Those nets have weights at all the surrounding edges so that when it drops, it captures the fish or whatever is inside the net. It's a pulling of all of that together. If you have a large load, imagine this baptismal filled with like two, three, or four bodies. That would be the equivalent of that many fish. Imagine me wrangling all that together and pulling it by my hands in out of the water and onto this stage won't happen ever i these hands and these arms don't do that right so that is the investment that it takes to fish as a job day in and day out 
eight hours a day from sunrise to probably mid-morning. That is an everyday investment for what? What's the, the payout at the end of that? I hear it. Fish. It's just fish. You get fish. When you spend that much energy and that much effort, you get fish. And this is what Jesus is saying. All of that effort, all of that investment, all of that attention to detail, all of that love and all of that frustration and all of that, that commitment to see fish exit the water and get into your boat, if you transferred that effort, if you transferred that discipline, if you transferred all of that willingness to sacrifice and hustle, if you transferred that to a relationship with me, the payout goes way beyond fish. It's people not going to hell. I will make you become fishers of men. Have you, ever, have you ever seen or even thought about that? If you're an old, long-time believer, that should blow your mind. If you're fresh to the faith, that should be like the best news you ever heard. It's as basic as follow me, stop whatever you're doing, just get to know me in my scripture, understand who I am, and be like me. It's not that hard to be awesome like Jesus. He makes amazing efforts to love people well. He's not saying be perfect. He's saying try. I'll cover your faults. I'll qualify you for the unqualification that you have, which is your sin. Like shoving those paper towels into Bravery's heels of his shoes, Jesus in his death and his resurrection, he qualifies us for something that we're not qualified for. Namely, eternal life reconciled back with our maker. Does that make sense? And in exchange, he goes, yeah, you can have eternity. I'll cover that. But what about life here and now? How fresh is your perspective with your Savior? Is it like the picture of my son going over the falls on Splash Mountain? What is happening right now? Are you excited to bring others into the journey that you're on? The grace that God has given you the ability to walk the way you're able to walk. Are you are you?" popping selfies 24-7 of the experiences of the people that you're bringing along on this journey? Or you're like, yeah, this is my seat. This is my church jacket. This is like how I drive to church. This is the donut I eat when I go to church. This is the classroom. I mean, is that your, is that your walk with Jesus? Because he's saying, listen, right now my Father's kingdom is at hand and you can have it and it's alive and it's fiery and it's worth investing everything in. Go all in. You don't have to be all there. I'll do the transformation work in you. That's the Savior I want to know and love and pattern my life after. I pray that it's the one that you do too. We've got three weeks together, and I'm just promising you this. I, I want you to be able to bring people to this place because it's an incredible church with incredible resources. It's a family church. But I understand the struggle of not knowing who's going to be talking and how awkward that could be, and you don't want your friend to come, and it's weird, and like, bleh. I understand that. I'll make a promise to you, if you would risk by bringing those people that you know need to hear the good news about Jesus in a real basic way, I want to do that for you. I want to be on the team that helps bring people to a relationship with Jesus, but I can't do it by myself. It's a, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. So for the next two Sundays, I'll be here, and I'm going to try really hard not to make it awkward. 
I mean, I'm kind of awkward, and if I fell into this thing today, it would be terrible, but I want to make Jesus basic, because he is. He, he's, he's God in the flesh, and that is incredibly difficult to understand, but Scripture is so basic, and the gospel is so basic. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to know his family. He wants you to go camping at the family reunion and eat carne asada. He wants you to do that. Brown people are like, yeah, I think I want that. White people are like, but is it, is it organic, right? That's like the problem. <laughs> I love my family because we, we love family. We have the best, biggest, craziest Mexican family ever. And every Mexican has the best, biggest, craziest Mexican family ever. But that's what it means to be connected and there are people who belong here who aren't here. You realize that. There are neighbors that you have and people that you work with and there's people you go to school with and people that you're living with that need to know how great it is to belong to this family. Let's not get comfortable and go through just another Easter weekend and not realize that there's something great at hand, the kingdom of God, ready for the taking. You just have to follow Jesus, know him, let him do the transformation work inside of you and, and stick to it and dig deep. Fishers of men. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I pray that this makes sense. I pray that, uh, I pray that we would get stirred into action, Lord. That we wouldn't stop at just taking pride at having a great church, Lord, but that we would be We'd be so proud of you and your work in us and through us that we'd want to bring people here to experience that, Lord. Thank you for loving us and thank you for making following you so basic, Lord. We love you. In your name I pray, amen.